Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with German jazz pianist and singer Jackie Terrison. We caught up with him in late April 2020 during the coronavirus lockdown to talk about his latest 2019 CD, 53. He has been hailed as one of the bright young lions of the traditional jazz scene since he captured everyone's attention when he won the Thelonious Monk competition back in 1993. Born in Berlin to a French mother and an American father, his distinctive piano style reflects his old and new influences mixed together. He studied jazz at the Berklee College of Music in Boston with many other new traditionalists like classmates Danilo Perez and many others. He has moved on to quite a career. Take a listen. Again, I want to thank you for taking a minute out. I've, I've been a fan for a long time. And my first question is, you know, we're in a unique time now. You have a relatively new album out. Um, what is it like to have new material out now? Because people have the latitude to listen to it at home, but you can't, the, the other side of it is, is you can't do anything live with it. How does this bittersweet world that we're in now jazz-wise feel? Yeah, it's it's really it's really strange. I mean, the, yeah, the album has been out since uh, September, or, or I think, so, uh, and it's been very well received, and that's cool and that's great and fantastic and everything. Uh, I know that a lot of my peers and uh, um, a lot of musicians are doing a lot of stuff online. I'm kind of opposed to that, to be honest. Uh, you know, doing concerts for a camera, that doesn't feel natural for me. I'd rather much wait and be in front of people in a few months. Uh, but it, it is frustrating to not be able to be on stage and perform. You know? Talk to me a little bit about your beginnings, how these jazz seeds were born. You were born in Berlin. Talk to me a little bit about your childhood and how jazz became your future. Well, uh, before jazz, it was just the love for the instrument, for, for, for the piano. Uh, there was always a piano at home. My father used to play classical piano since um, I was very little. And I very quickly fell in love with the instruments. Uh, I didn't know I was just playing, playing, and then and, uh, maybe even uh, writing or composing little tunes. And my, my parents made me uh, study classical music at first. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was a great thing, and that's what I'd love to do. And uh, then I really fell in love with uh, uh, different genres, gems of, of music, classical and jazz, basically. But mostly jazz, because um, improvisation, the idea of that, that, that freedom uh, thing, that was something very appealing. And then um, I went to the school. I grew up in Paris, France. I went to the school where you had uh, regular academic uh, lessons in the morning, and then in the afternoon you had one hour of uh, either with a, um, a private teacher, uh, maybe on Tuesday it was an hour of uh, solfege, uh, music theory, on Wednesday it was history of music, on Thursday it was uh, sight reading, uh, and twice a week it was uh, ear training. And uh, it was a great school because, uh, you know, in the afternoon it was up to you to either, after that one hour of, uh, of, uh, of uh, studying, it was up to you to either hang out or to go practice. And uh, most uh, students were very serious about what they were doing and would hang out a little bit, but then everybody would go practice, uh, you know, for like four or five hours every day. After that, I started... Uh, well, I quit school uh, 
because I applied for scholarship for Berkeley Music, which I got. It was not full, but it was almost full. And I went to Boston for, uh, I was supposed to stay two years, but I only stayed one year. Uh, I met this guy at this bass player who I really liked playing. We would practice a lot together and checking out tunes and maybe uh, right. And he told me, well, listen, uh, Jackie, I like your playing. I'd like to, uh, if you're cool, uh, I could get you a, I could get you a gig in uh, in Chicago for um, we didn't know how long it was gonna it was gonna last. I ended up spending a year in Chicago uh, playing five nights a week, five hour sets, <laughs> and, and and that was the real school. No, that was the real school. Yeah, uh, yeah. Being on stage, uh, half of the set was a trio. The, the, by, the, by the way, the, the bassist, is, his name is Dennis Carroll. He's from Chicago, he's still over there. And um, the drummers, there will be different drummers. And then um, there was a singer, kind of crooner singer, Bill Acosta, I believe. And it was kind of like Sinatra-ish. And I would uh, rewrite arrangements in his keys. And, and, uh, and that, was, that was fantastic, you know. There would be like gangsters coming in and prostitutes, and it was, it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and that lasted about a year until, you know, having dual citizenship, uh, I was, um, what's the word? Uh, the, the French authorities were looking for me because I never, uh, over there at the time, um, the military service was mandatory, and I never uh, registered. <laughs> So wow. my parents uh, received a letter saying, Jackie, what are you going to do? So, you know, I was either let go of my French citizenship or, and, and, and forget about the whole thing or, 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 uh, or do it. So I, I had to go back to France to deal with that. Uh, after that, uh, I started playing a lot, a lot in Paris with Didi Bridgewater, with Barney Wellen, uh, with Ray Brown when he was doing uh, a lot of uh, his European uh, tours. And um, in the mid, uh, let's see, mid in, in the mid-90s, I moved to New York for good. And spent the next uh, 30 years in New York. And wow. I'm kind of shifting between, kind of between New York and, and France. These days. What was the first live jazz show you saw that made you think, man, this is what I want to do with my life? I think uh, the first live one was probably in, in Paris. I can't recall the name exactly, but I, I remember uh, before being allowed to go, in, to, be, uh, to go into a jazz club, I met this, uh, this um, uh, very good friend of mine who happened to be the son of Francis Podras. So I met Stéphane. Uh, Francis Fodras, by the way, uh, is the guy who um, who inspired Bertrand Tavernier to do the movie uh, Around Midnight. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. And uh, so I was very good friends with, with uh, Stéphane and went to Francis' place a lot. And Francis uh, really kind of adopted me. He, he loved the way that I was inspired by... Um, that I love Bud Powell and Thomas Monk. So I used to go, I would go to his place a lot and he had like maybe three or 4,000 LPs and he told me, you know, you can just uh, buy a bunch of uh, blank cassettes and copy anything you want and uh, we'd have some uh, 
dinners and and talk about music and he would tell me about when he took care of Papel and and all the and uh, you know how it was meeting and staying a little bit with Bill Evans it was it was it was great you know it was the closest thing to to uh, to being in a in jazz environment away from from uh, at that time, I thought it was the only place in the, the USA, New York, the scene. And uh, so that's, Francis was the, the equivalent of the scene, so to speak, in Europe, in, in, in France. Uh, in any way, yeah. You know, now that we're kind of in this period of jazz live, the absence of it, and, and a kind of a nostalgic, you know, notion of live music now, what what do you miss the most about being on the stage performing this music live? Oh well, the, 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 just the sharing, the sharing of the experiences of the uh, of the music, of the energies, of uh, you know, the giving. You know, the, when you walk on stage, you know, it's it's all about love, about sharing, about giving, and, and that's what I miss the most. You know, and uh, and the people. You know, some of them are new. Some of them have been following uh, us for like decades, and uh, you know, being on stage and, and sharing the passion, the love of music, the, the contagious fever that's in the, the music. <laughs> these are not good words by these days, but contagious <laughs> fevers. <laughs> but but it's, it's really that. It's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the one thing I think about, too, with musicians that, that have had the chance to be around legends and luminaries and big people throughout your life, you've accumulated a really great jazz road. What memories, what experiences do you hold on to now that gives you strength through this time of absence and these hard times? Well, first of all, I have to go back and, and, and uh, say thank you to uh, people like Betty Carter. Who were, who, when I moved to New York, that was my, basically almost my first real gig. I mean, it was a real gig, but it was my first gig uh, with uh, with Betty Carter, and sharing the stage with her was was amazing. You know, at the time I was already in love with Shirley Horn. Uh, I love Shirley Horn, uh, uh, and uh, playing with Betty, she, sometimes she would approach the same kind of tempos that were just so slow. And you know, I was maybe twenty five, twenty six at the time, and uh, all you're thinking is about playing your live notes. And, uh, and Betty and, and many others, uh, you really learned that, you know, uh, the, the hardest part, the most demanding thing was uh, actually being able to only play what was necessary and, uh, and not too much stuff. And, uh, and she would always expect you to be uh, uh, fresh. And that was great. You know, because she was tough. So, so that's that was a that was a fantastic memory. And then all the all the other play, uh, people that I had uh, the uh, opportunity to play with. Yeah, why do you love jazz? Uh, because uh, uh, it's, um, it's it's about honesty and hard work and pleasure and love. And uh, but mostly it's it's, uh, it's a lot about honesty and energy and. And, uh, and communication. You know, we're going to get out of this. We're going to get back to a live environment. You know, there's still ambiguity about all of those aspects of it, but it will happen. And yeah. 
I want to know from you, what, what do you hope both musician and the audience gets from this absence of live music? Some revelation that we get when we all return. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because yesterday it was the first time in, uh, well, almost two months now, <clears throat> that I happened, uh, that I learned that uh, it was actually a, a show that was reconfirmed. It was honestly probably 40 or 50 shows that, that have been canceled one after the other. And it's kind of a crazy, uh, I just want to say this to, to people in general so they are aware, it's kind of crazy how um, uh, musicians have uh, basically no protection when something like this happens. Uh, you know, it's just canceled and, and uh, that's it. <laughs> no yeah. money, no nothing, you know. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, a lot of uh, the shows have just been postponed, like six months. Uh, but basically, you just out there with no work, no income uh, for, for a few months. Uh, uh, banks have been cool. I've been able to uh, borrow for, for a very low interest just to keep, uh, stay afloat. Uh, what I'm really looking forward to is, uh, you know, people uh, hopefully uh, realizing that um, live music is like nothing else, you know. Uh, that internet um, is just a screen. You're not there, you're not breathing, you're not seeing people sweat or, or really trying to get to something with uh, other musicians. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully it will increase this uh, envy to go see live music again. But I think it's not a given uh, a lot of uh, folks and uh, it's kind of natural. It's great to, to, be, uh, to be in a place where there's a bunch of people and could be afraid to, to uh, this, uh, <laughs> basically what it's telling us not to do right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, my final question to you is this. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but you're living your life. Who do you think you are? I'm Jackie Terrison. No, seriously. Yeah. Uh, I'm, um, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to make the best out of this. I'm checking on my kids. They're okay. I want them to be uh, safe. And I can't wait to be back on stage and uh, to share this passion that I have, and, uh, that many of us have, and uh, play and have fun. Amen. Yeah, I can't wait for you guys to get back. To, to answer your question, yeah. <laughs> you're nothing. We're nothing. <laughs> We're nothing. Sometimes this big strikes, we're we just not, nothing, you know. And, and a lot of us, a lot of, a lot of uh, musicians have, have gone since this has started. And you realize how little control over everything we have. good thing about this is the nature uh, taking uh, back its, uh, its, its space a little bit, you know. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will tell you one thing that's always been joyous. I've been doing this show since 2011. I've done a lot of shows and interviews. The thing about jazz is, is that people aren't in it for the money. So, and the innovation is always ramped up when there's been adversity. So I see this genre of music coming back, coming back strong, monumental recordings. And I love you cats. And I just, I'm going to do everything I can to get the word out there and hopefully people can support and, uh, make it through this time, man, because all we have is hope. Yep, that's it. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Paris, Berlin. 
Kansas City and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Jackie for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.